This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to John Origi. He lives in an historic Rensselville church and, as president of the Friends of Conkling Hall, is helping to improve another one, which serves as a community meeting space. Conkling Hall on Methodist Hill Road was built in 1839 and changed to a community center in the early 1900s. The large, open central room is used for everything from theater productions to square dances. Arigi, who was born in Brooklyn, raised on Long Island, and came to Albany County to study at the University of Albany, discovered Rensselaerville when his pottery professor, Frances Simchis, invited him to her workshop and home the 1836 Baptist Church he now calls home. I'd like to just hear about how it is you got involved with Conkling Hall and why you think it's important. Well, it's kind of a long story, and I have a tendency to be a little long-winded, so I'll try and keep it short. But uh, I have a uh, long-term relationship with the village of Rensselaerville, And for a while, I used to do a lot of Tai Chi, and I first got involved uh, with Conkling Hall in the early 1990s, when it was still um, in private ownership. And um, I started giving some Tai Chi classes at Conkling Hall, um, and I think uh, everybody paid a uh, a dollar a class to the owner, and he just let us use the hall. Um, and he and his family had renovated the downstairs to live in, but uh, left the upstairs um, totally intact as it had been for, um, uh, well, at that point, uh, close to 100 years, now over 100 years uh, as the hall. And then um, that lasted for the summer, I think. And then few years later, the hall, uh, we saw a for sale sign, and I was interested in that. Uh, my daughter had been involved in uh, some children's plays, actually mixed cast plays, children's and adults at the hall, uh, all when it was in private ownership still. And a lot of folks in the town got interested in um, how we make sure the hall stays available for the community. So it was really the Presbyterian Church that became the the organizational focal point. Um, They created a committee, uh, they raised money, they got a loan from the Albany Presbytery um, and uh, used some of their own money uh, on a loan basis and were able to purchase the hall. And, um, you know, I had been aware of it for quite a while, so I kind of got involved right from... uh, uh, the get-go in terms of it becoming uh, a community space again. Uh, because I really, at that point, um, it had been in private ownership since, I think, 1984. And, you know, it was really just the goodwill of the owner that it hadn't been radically uh, changed uh, and made unusable as a whole. Um, so, you know, it... it, it anything could have happened to it when it uh, came on the market in 1999. Um, and um, fortunately, the community came together and saved it. 
Yeah, well, it's just a wonderful building, both inside and out. If you could just describe to us, for people that haven't seen it, um, just what it looks like, what it involves, what's what okay. the space is like. Well, first, let me give a little shameless plug. If people go to um, our website, conklinghall.org, or they go to facebook.com slash conklinghall, they can see a number of photographs, um, both, uh, I think there's some inside and outside and people working on it and such. Um, but it was built as um, the third of four churches in the hamlet of Rensselaerville in 1839. Uh, all four churches were designed and built by um, an architect about whom we know very little. Uh, his name was Ephraim Russ. Um, the first church he designed and built was Trinity Episcopal in 1814. Uh, then the um, Baptist Church, which as a sidelight, I, I now have the pleasure of living in, and that's where I'm chatting with you from. Uh, that was built in 1836. The Methodist Church was built in 1839. And in the early 1900s, uh, Francis Conkling Hike uh, convinced the Methodists that uh, their congregation was uh, dwindling. They could worship next door in the Presbyterian Church, built in the 1840s. Uh, and he purchased uh, the Methodist Church and rechristened it Conkling Hall and did some major uh, renovations to it. It reopened, uh, I've seen mixed dates, but somewhere around 1904 to 1906, it reopened as Conkling Hall. So the exterior, if you see old photos when it was a church, actually had, um, as some of the churches of the period did, two doors, like the, uh, a men's entrance and a women's entrance. So the front was slightly modified. Uh, one main entrance was put in. Uh, it is in uh, a church style as opposed to a meeting house style, meaning that it has very tall uh, two-story windows inside rather than individual windows, um, lower and upper. Uh, and I believe it was at that time that an addition was put on the back of the building uh, to accommodate the stage. So, you know, it's kind of this combination of basically fairly simple uh, in a traditional New England style, but with some little flourishes. There's just delightful um, plaster work uh, on the cornices inside the, the building. Um, large uh, slabs of bluestone for the walkway leading up to the front door. Um, and uh, still has the bell tower, uh, although no bell uh, on top. Um, usually the congregations um, would take the bell with them when they left the building. Um, so, you know, it's uh, the way it is now is great for us because it's one great big open room. So uh, without pews or theater seating, um, we have, um, you know, chairs that we can put up or down so you can make it into a, a theater, but you can also have uh, square dances in it. You know, you can have, and we do have exercise classes, um, Pilates, yoga, all that sort of thing. Um, it's got a great, uh, original wooden, I don't know if it's original, certainly early wooden floor that's uh, got a little spring to it, so it's terrific for dancing and uh, exercising on. Um, 
you know, so uh, that's that's the general feel of it. Um, it's all white on the outside, and um, uh, it's just um, it's got a balcony in it, which is really nice. Um, right now, that's only used for um, kind of running lights and sound from. Uh, we don't use it for audience, but um, there's a chance we might be able to at some point in the future. Um, but it's just. Uh, just a lovely community space. It, it really is. And I need to delve into that more, but I have to first take a side road to hear more about you. You live in a church. You teach Tai Chi. Just <laughs> tell us a little about yourself um, and how you said you've had this long-standing relationship with Rensselaerville. Where Where are you from originally? Well, I'm proud of the fact that I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um but uh, in 1950, so, um, you know, very much uh, center of the baby boom. Um, uh, my uh, mom used to like to tell the story that um, during World War II, she wanted to do something for the war effort. So she went to the USO and got the names of five servicemen to write letters to. And uh, she put it, my dad was the last one standing. <laughs> so when he got out of the uh, Navy... <laughs> He got out of combat both in the Atlantic and Pacific theaters in the Navy. Uh, they got married. And um, my brother was born the following year, although he's uh, now left us, unfortunately. Uh, and I was born in 1950. And in 1952, they moved out to Long Island. The, the kind of a very typical New York City story at the time. Um, so I grew up in the suburbs of Long Island. Um, I started college at SUNY Stony Brook, took a year off. Um, transferred to SUNY Albany and have stayed in the capital region since then. And I sometimes feel that, like, you know, we're so, uh, it's such a society these days ever since uh, the second half of the 20th century, I think, um, uh, uh, so focused on specialization. You know, uh, I find it kind of amusing. I had some eye problems uh, a couple years ago and I wound up with three ophthalmologists, um, one for glaucoma, one for cataracts, and one for my retina. You know, that's, that's quite an amazing level of uh, specialty, in my opinion. Um, unfortunately, in some ways, unfortunately, I guess, in others, um, I'm very much a generalist. There's very little I'm not interested in, so I don't really specialize all that much. Oh, you know, I had a I had a nice career, and it was kind of, in some ways, specialized. But um, what was the career? You know, what was I've the career? I've always been interested in a bunch of things. What was the career? Um, I worked for New York State government for thirty years, and the vast majority of it was in the division of the budget. But what I liked about it more than anything was that it was a relatively small agency that um, really, you know, got could get you involved with anything that costs the state money. And there's very little the state can do that doesn't cost money. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it kind of uh, played to my uh, desire to uh, have a range of interests. So, um, but that, that was interesting. Um, but I also, you know, at the same time, um, my wife at the time and I uh, bought a small farm in Westerlo. Um, we had 60 acres and we had, we both had full time, uh, fairly intense jobs. Um, we had sheep and chickens and at one point we had goats and we had 
geese and I did hay, uh, you know, baled hay for the winter months for the animals and all that. I don't have any clue now where I got the energy from to do that. <laughs> and of course, in the middle of that, we had a baby. Um, and, you know, it's just, just remarkable the things you will make yourself do when you're young and foolish, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I started getting interested in Tai Chi. I did uh, a lot of that. I kind of got out of the habit, unfortunately, um, when I retired because it just changed my schedule around so much. But I still have hopes of getting back to it. Um, but going back to college days, um, I was always more of a science-oriented person. Um, and I really wanted to diversify that and do some visual arts. But I had no background whatsoever, so I needed um, a way in to the arts that was uh, more structured. And what I found uh, at SUNY Albany on the second floor of the arts building um, was a ceramic studio. And uh, I wound up getting very close to the art professor there by the name of Frances Simchess. Uh, she was a wonderful potter and uh, ceramic artist and sculptor. And I got involved in pottery, and for a while I even had a pottery shop in downtown Albany. Um, and every year she would take the students out to her home studio. And her home studio um, was in Brunswickville, in a Baptist church. And that's how I first got introduced to the village of Rensselaerville, probably around 1973 or so. Um, and many years, you know, unfortunately, not too long after that, um, my professor, Fran Simchis, passed away of cancer. Um, my life went on in all kinds of other directions. And then many years later, the place I had uh, used as a pottery studio, this Baptist church, came on the market. I wound up buying it and living here. So, oh, my gosh. That's the long... That's a long story oh, about but what a wonderful story <laughs> to return to that place where as a student you had this professor you admired and pottery at the T.S. Eliot will return, the end of all our travels to be re, will be to return where we started and know the place for the mm -hmm. first time. So tell us about your own living space before we go back to Conkling. This is a, is it a church that kept some of its original features? And where exactly is it in Rensselaerville? Well, um, if you come into Rensselaerville on State Route 85, which is also known as Delaware Turnpike, um, the first building on your right is the firehouse, right. and the next building is um, a red uh, structure that used to be a gas station and car repair place. And the third building on your right is the old Baptist church where I live. Oh, wow. um, it's in, it's so it's on the edge of the village on Route 85, and um, there's just some woods across the street. And, um, you know, but we're getting into the village. It's, uh, there's a line of houses on both sides of the street right after me. Uh, so that's where it's located. From the outside, it still looks very much like uh, a Baptist church. It served as a Baptist church into the 1950s. I believe around 1958 or 9, 
It was purchased by Fran and her husband, Ray Simchus, um, and converted from a church to um, a living space and pottery studio. And it's kind of interesting. Um, they were coming up from the city, and what they did with the space um, was kind of make it almost like a New York City loft apartment. You know, it's a good-sized building, but back at the time when they lived here, it was like two-thirds um, pottery studio. The entire downstairs was pottery studio, and a section of the upstairs um, was left as two-story space um, that uh, served as, as part of the studio and um, uh, kind of a, a retail shop. Uh, where Fran had some of her work for sale. And the rest of the upstairs is uh, an apartment space. And um, it's got a very nice, uh, you know, the usual, um, with kind of an open dining living area. Uh, the outside of the building still looks exactly like a church. It still has the 1933 um a historic marker put up by the state education department during the depression. Um, and I've had, when I first moved here, I had some friends a couple of times come out to visit and drive back and forth like three times looking for my house because they thought it, this was the church. <laughs> it wasn't my house. Uh, you know, um, Fran did a brilliant job designing the space. Um, you know, one of the key things about any old building or any building really is the fenestration, the arrangement of the windows. And she, it was all in, um, a two-story space with a little bit of a balcony and, and side galleries. And um, she put in uh, or had put in um, an, an additional, you know, a second-story floor uh, through most of that space. Um, but how to arrange all the, the walls and, and rooms uh, around where the windows are. And uh, did a beautiful job with that. Um, place came with uh, the pews intact, and basically they were all, uh, you know, this is, this is 1836. Um, the bottom was one wide plank, and the back was one wide plank. So um, a number of the pews got... Um, disassembled and became the flooring for um, a, a large section of the upstairs uh, living space. Um, a number of the windows still have the uh, early glass uh, with bubbles and drips and all in it. Um, I, I always get these phone calls from uh, uh, people saying, uh, you know, offering to replace my windows with energy efficient windows. Oh. And I say, forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that ain't never happening. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice space upstairs. Uh, it's changed around since I've lived here. Uh, we've taken over more of the downstairs space, the living space, put in a, uh, a second bedroom and bathroom down there, you know, made changes like that. Um, but, I just love old buildings. So yeah. I, I, well, I've never lived in a building that wasn't close to 100 years old. So, Well, I bet you did when you <laughs> lived on Long Island, right? When you were growing up. Or oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I should say I never owned a building that was uh, uh, 
less than yeah. 100 years old. My parents' house certainly yeah. was, yes. But that is just so lovely for the hamlet, that the structure looks the same as it always did, and here you've used it for this living mm-hmm. space. But it's just remarkable to me that you live in a church, and here you've put so much of your you know, energy and volunteer time into what was a church and is now a community meeting hall. But um, I do you have, are you religious? Do you have a sense of this, these being sacred spaces? Or is it just sort of an architectural attraction? You know, it's really, I, I do not consider myself religious at all. Um, I do not believe in the concept of a supreme being. On the other hand, um, I greatly value uh, our history and uh, what people have built. I really, I love the environment. Nature is very important to me, but I also uh, really love the built environment and what we've inherited, and I think it's important to preserve that. And that's just part of how we treat each other. I think preserving our um, heritage is an important part of how we treat each other. We don't just tear everything down and build new. And I'm very comfortable with people coming to a very positive respect for one another in the community through whatever method works for them. Uh, Some people might do it through um, wilderness training or through, um, you know, a a practice like Tai Chi or yoga. Other people through very traditional religious means. And if somebody comes to a generous giving heart for other people and the community through church and religion, that's great. That's not the way I do it, but it's great. And I see the tremendous positive role that both of the churches that remain in the village have in our community. So, you know, I've been involved with both of the churches quite a bit. Um, Both of them have encouraged me to become members of the church, which I have chosen not to do because I I just don't feel I could do it quite honestly. Um, You know, one of my other um, pleasures is singing. Rensselaerville is a strange little community, and for a tiny little place, we have this amazing choir, at least we did until we couldn't rehearse anymore because of COVID. Um, it's called Village Voices. Uh, Jan Bishop is this wonderful um, retired music teacher and uh, performer and director who leads us. And we sing in both churches because the churches are way too small to have a choir. So every once in a while, we'll sing in one and sometimes in the other, and we do community events as well. Um, I helped the Presbyterian Church um, uh, assemble a sound reinforcement system. Uh, I also, um, I like doing things with my hands. So some years ago, my uh, daughter and I started doing some blacksmithing. So um, I made a, 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 they requested and I I forged an advent wreath stand for Trinity Episcopal Church. and, you know, I just value the services to the community that they provide uh, and the way they encourage people to um, be generous of their spirit. So, you know, while I don't consider myself religious, I like to think that um, I embody some of the basic values 
uh, that people express through their religion. Yes, because one of the things about churches is separate from a belief in God or lack thereof, it, it gets people to assemble. It brings people together as a community, which these days is getting right. rarer and rarer. Even before the COVID crisis, <laughs> everyone isolated in front Correct. of their screens. Yeah. So that will bring us back to Conkling Hall, where it's now a community center. And I just am so eager to at least touch on this video you made where you're up in the attic and just who thinks of making a video of stuff in the attic? But tell us about how you came up with that idea and some of the things that are highlighted in that video. And my guess is our listeners could watch it. Is it, is it on that website that you gave us the address for earlier? Um, I'm not sure if... Um Vivian, who does most of our tech stuff, if she's put a link on the web page, I know it's on the Facebook page. Um, and if it's not on the web page now, it probably will be soon. Um, mm, I'm not sure how to check exactly. I mean, That's okay. I just thought that would be an look, easy but, way for uh, people, as they're listening to you talk about these things, to actually see them. So tell us what you found up there and why you decided to make a video about it. Well, you know, I've been going up there for various reasons um, for years and years, and I just always thought there was cool stuff up there, um, including stuff I didn't even show. We still have, there's still a pipe that is the original gas line to the gas chandelier that, of course, now is electric. Um, but the pipe that brought the gas in is still up there, uh, running to the top of the chandelier. I just, I, I, I'm fascinated by these details, I guess. Um, and they raise questions, like um, subsequent to that video, um, you probably recall I was, uh, I mentioned um, some of those pieces of plaster molding that are up yeah. there. Um, subsequent to that, I got a, a, there's a guy I know in the village, um, I've known for a while. Uh, he said, well, he actually put those up there because he figured they must belong there. Uh, but he found them in the house he was renting. And back, uh, this was back in the 70s, he found them. But um, earlier than that, the building, both buildings had been owned by the same family. So he figured they had come from Conkling Hall. So if he returned them to Conkling Hall, <laughs> I had no idea about that until I uh, posted the video and he saw it and uh, gave me that information. Um, so it, it, I, I guess, you know, we were in the middle of this uh, fundraising week. We normally have um, a large uh, fundraising event in the fall, um, in October. And um, we used to alternate between uh, some year, each um each odd-numbered year, I guess it was, we had a chili cook-off, and on the even-numbered years, we had a cakewalk where people would uh, bake uh, elaborate homemade cakes, and we'd auction them off for uh, ridiculously high prices because it was a benefit. Um, this year, we couldn't do anything like that, so we did a mostly online fundraiser, and uh, every day of the week, we put out an email, and we wanted to try to make it interesting. So we had some photographs and things and we had um, three main emails, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday and Thursday were kind of uh, 
transitional fill-in emails. And I just wanted to do something a little more interesting. And we've been trying to um, do more uh, video, including live streaming, which we're working towards but haven't gotten yet. But I figured, well, if I can't do live streaming exactly, um, I can certainly upload a video to uh, YouTube. Uh, and I just wanted to do something a little bit out of the ordinary. And that's what occurred to me uh, to do. And to, to be perfectly honest, I was surprised it turned out as well as it did uh, because it's just me and my iPhone, you know, nothing else. I didn't even attempt to edit it. So uh, well, that's, that's uh, what gives fortunately, it, a number of people seem to find it interesting. That's what give it, gives it its... Go ahead. I'm that sorry. is what gives it its charm. It's like uh, you're just saying, well, <laughs> I think this stuff is cool. Maybe you will too. And you're kind of walking around up there. And it reminded me of, you know, Gaston Bachelard writing about how if you... If you live in a house that has an attic and has a cellar, it shapes your mind. It shapes the way you think of the world because there are things that are tucked away that you can explore and discover and just gives you a different sense of being. And there you are, not just those um, plaster molds, and that's a fascinating story that happened afterwards, but, you know, just the kind of nuts and bolts of things in the, like you just said, there the chandelier was gas. It takes you right back to a different era. You talk about these huge, huge, mm-hmm. tall shutters that are, are the windows still there for those? Are, is that something that? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they were for the original windows. The, original, the windows are still original in the hall. Um, but um, I have no idea how long those shutters have been off. It's certainly conceivable they could be uh, mounted again. The church next door, the Presbyterian church, still has its shutters on. Um, it's something that could be considered, I guess. Uh, I don't know how many they are, whether there's enough of them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. But that's uh, something to explore. Yeah. Well, just... You know, the, the other thing what I wanted to, to do with that video a little bit is, uh, you know, we did a major um, renovation of the hall, um not long after it was purchased, somewhere around 2004. Um, And we, at the, towards the end, we insisted on doing some things that were really visual. Um, You know, we we did um, some work around the stage and we put in stage curtains and new curtains for the windows that hadn't been there before that can darken the hall for uh, daytime movies and such. And part of the reason was we spent a ton of money on really important stuff that nobody could see. Mm -hmm. The heating system is radiant in the floor. It's invisible. You know, new boiler, all new electrical. You don't see any of it. And one of the things I wanted to do with that little video in the attic was to point out some of the stuff you don't see. Not just the old stuff, but, you know, the, all of the conduit uh, for the new electrical system, the the fire detection. Um, there's a one even higher than the one I uh, uh, showed in the video. There's one way up in the belfry, a, a fire detector. Um, you know, so just to give a sense of, you know, how involved it is to 
keep these old buildings going and to modernize them so they're functional in a way that doesn't violate their integrity. You mm-hmm. know? That's a huge, huge charge. And we've run out of time. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts you'd like to <laughs> share with people about the hall. or Well, you know, um, maybe you can edit out some of the other stuff I've said because my board is going to be very annoyed with me if I don't say some of the things they told me you've got to talk about. Um, Go for it. <laughs> couple of points. A couple of points. Um, you know, we are still an all-volunteer organization. We have no paid staff. I hope that will change at some point, but it's been that way for 20 years, and um, so far we've made it work. Um, we've got, we've taken advantage of the COVID-19 shutdown to do a lot of uh, renovation uh, on the hall. Uh, we've done painting, interior colors. We've redone the floors uh, downstairs. Uh, we redid the kitchen. We put in um, a Wi-Fi hotspot with a, a no-password-protected access, and people are coming and sitting on the, the bench outside the hall to use Wi-Fi. Um, we hope to use the Wi-Fi also for live streaming of events. We do yoga and Pilates classes. We've had uh, CPR class and the health care. There's uh, two different uh, theater groups, the Good Cause Theater Company, which is a theater, uh, children's theater group, and Argyle Stage Creations, uh, both of whom uh, put on events in Conkling Hall. Uh, we've had the Taylor Two Dance Ensemble twice uh, come up to Conkling Hall. Uh, we've had Meet the Candidates uh, events for local elections, uh, Poetry Month events, uh, free Thanksgiving dinners uh, for people in the Hilltowns. We're looking into uh, Tai Chi for arthritis and uh, fall prevention classes for senior citizens, dance classes. We have a person lined up who might be able to uh, sponsor both uh, teach ballet, modern jazz, and tap dance classes. Um, and we're trying to um, develop a long-term capital projects fund because there's uh, some structural issues in the building as well as the need to um, do, uh, you know, handicapped accessible entrance uh, and handicapped accessible bathrooms and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, uh, we're also in the middle of trying to acknowledge where we are uh, nationwide and community-wide with um, issues of racial justice. So uh, we are trying to broaden our appeal. Um, there's a couple of um, uh, groups that we're interested in bringing in with special programs. Um, I won't get into naming them, but because um, we haven't really reached out to them as of yet. Um, we've added uh, some diversity to our board, which is now 10 members. Um, so, you know, we're trying to, trying to be cognizant of all of those uh, needs in the community and try and fill as many of them as you possibly can. 